Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to this final Clash of the Titles Clashoween Countdown, the podcast that for the last time this October pits two horror movies with something in common in a fight to the death to see which one comes out victorious. On Monday's episode, we had a holly jolly black Christmas and today it's time to go trick or beating as Michael Myers shows some young Haddonfielders the back of his hand and the blade of his knife in 1978's Halloween. I spent eight years trying to reach him, and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. I think he'll come back. So which film will be left bloodied on the floor of the studio and which is great slash the winner will know by the end of the show. So let's get it on. Welcome to the final Clash of the Titles. Clash in countdown. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clash Potters. Death has come to your little town. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crumpton. I'm Chris Tilly. And welcome to part two of this week's final Clash of Wing countdown as we near the greatest night of the year, All Hallows' Eve. And of course, coming up on this episode is the verdict as to which is the better film, Black Christmas or Halloween. But before we get into that, it's time for a regular dip into the digital mailbag and a review from one of you, read by uh, the legend that is uh, Chris Tilly. Tills out to some, but for this brief moment... A Chris Thrilly. Yeah, I forgot. Oh, God. I gave <laughs> you the best... What an anti-climax that was. What a build-up. That was, everything was going so well. If either of us had done that, you would have never let us forget it. Um, okay, just here we go. This is from... Dangerous. Uh, yeah, <laughs> just be careful. Uh, this is from UK Dave. Oh, I like this one. Um, and it says... Uh, <laughs> it, 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 he hates Vicky. <laughs> Shit. No, oh my God. <laughs> I'm going to have to cut that stuff out. Don't read that bit, but read everything that's right, great about me. It's called Dawn of the Dead Funny Podcast. 
and it says a podcast fronted by a conspicuously sexy female, the star of Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> oh, I've just remembered what that is. Yeah. Like, thank God. <laughs> and a thrilling movie reviewer. If you like movies, if you like podcasts, if you like bath time thrills, this is the one for you. <laughs> by the way, if you ever put Universal Dracula versus Hammer Dracula, please hit me up. Mm-hmm. Five stars. Yay! Yay! Phew. Conspicuously sexy. Yeah. Sexy. <laughs> Conspicuously sexy. So you like her, I've got you? a tacky mouth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's Monica from yes. Dawn of the Dead, I 2004. Just yeah, and I, I, I know that because on, on set um, as a, as the star of that movie, um, that's what she liked to be referred as. She loved that, didn't she? Yeah, yeah, she fucking loved it. <laughs> and, you, she, and you stuck around to the end of that podcast as well, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I did. Yeah, you'd have found out all of this if you hadn't gone. Oh, my internet! <laughs> <laughs> oh, it just won't work. Sorry, I'm guys. really trying. <laughs> <laughs> Click exit group. Exit group. <laughs> Unbelievable. (laughs) All right, then. Let's do this. On Monday, Vicky decided this Christmas she was going to paint it to black, which means today, have you hadn't filled enough Michael Myers? As I say, happy Halloween. Let me take you on a journey. Michael John Myers is a Canadian actor, comedian, screenwriter and producer. Myers came to recognition for performing on Saturday Night Live. He subsequently earned praise in numerous... Okay, that's a good joke. (laughs) That is a good joke. He would have just kept going. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you haven't gone, please move on. It would have been like a Stuart Lee bit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but funnier. Uh, Right. Here we go. Sickened by a world in which sex is everywhere, young Michael Myers wants to explain to his sister Judith that perhaps the man she has just slept with is using her. Tragically, his inept parents, who, when presented with their son holding a bloody knife, simply say, Michael, and just stand there, have obviously failed to give him the tools he requires to explain himself verbally. So he communicates to Judith in the only way he knows how, with a massive knife. So Michael is locked up in Smith's Grove Sanitarium under the care of Dr. Loomis, a medical professional whose professional medical diagnosis of Michael is that, and I'm quoting, he is pure evil, (laughs) which really feels slightly less professional and medical than it should be. So having been failed by the healthcare system, Michael, now a product of Dr. Loomis's malpractice, hasn't been rehabilitated and goes off killing Ian. And when a police officer says, I should alert the local TV and radio stations about Michael's presence in Haddonfield, Dr. Loomis, and I'm quoting here, says, no, don't do that, causing the deaths of at least three teenagers at Michael's hands, thus proving that the real villain of the piece is Dr. Loomis, a Mm. sick and angry man. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, for your consideration, Halloween. Yep. 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 I'm nodding. I'm nodding. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, fine. Yeah. Great. Let's do the history of this movie. Chris! Uh, I picked this pairing this week, um, uh, which you didn't ask me, um, uh, on this episode, because we haven't done Halloween. Mm. It's about time we did Halloween. My history with Halloween is... It's that period in my mid-teens where I just watched every horror film ever. And so I watched all the Halloween films across a week. Up. I was catch, catching up. I was catching, catching up. up. I'd been too scared. You became a big, brave boy. And then I was like, hold on. I can do this. Mm. I can do this. I can do it. Because my voice hadn't broken yet. I can do this. <laughs> and I thought it was great. You know, and the sequel's not so much. And I hated Halloween 3, but we'll come back to that next Halloween. I can't, I can't wait to do it. V. Uh, it was a Mark Parsons video. Of course it For was. fuck's sake. Yeah. So. How many did he have? Yeah, well, it's the book it, we had a hundred. A hundred? Yeah. 
Well, you, you remember the Halliwell's Guide. Anything yes. three stars or above. Did they yeah. do four stars? He wouldn't watch a two-star movie. And yeah. he says this podcast is stuffed full of two-star movies. Ooh. I say to him, you he stopped buying Halliwell's in like 93, so how the fuck would you know? But... He should review. He should review us on iTunes. <laughs> yeah. So, but only once. He was like, "You have to see this." I was like, "Absolutely no problem. I will see it." And I just didn't. You know, I under I understand its place in the the canon, but I will say this, Chris. Mm. Everything I think about this film is now different because of Black Christmas. Whoa, that's what. That's right. Hot take, and I'll come back to it. I so had- you did like it, or you didn't like it at the time. <laughs> Yeah, this is your what what number watch this? This is the second time I've right, watched okay. it. I when I was watching it, the weight of you were watching a classic yes. was a bit strong sure. and I maybe thought it was a bit slow. Yeah. However, I forgave some of its things that I don't like because mm. I was like, well, it was the first of its type, more or less. Understood. Now that I know it's not, oh, and lovely. now that I know what the first of its type actually did set up and what Halloween oh, does not do, dear. then fuck this film. Oh my god. <laughs> I know which way you're both voting already. <laughs> Ooh. Alex, mad. That's a <laughs> mad hot take. Fine. All right. Wow. Uh, I watched this when I was about eight or nine. It scared me shitless because I was eight or nine mm. and I loved it and I've watched it regularly over the years. Uh, I haven't watched it though for about a decade mm. and so I was not excited, to be perfectly honest, to go back to it because I felt it was a movie that I'd watched too much and I was like, oh, here we go. This is going to be a slog. Wrong. Getting back into this was just wonderful, especially when, I've said this before, when you're analysing a film for this show, it's a different experience. You've seen things you've never seen before. And also, I just went to the Halloween Ends immersive experience in Piccadilly, which just felt like the right timing to be doing this because you get shown round uh, the uh, the Myers home. Mm. And there's a little bit of an escape room thing. Boring. But... <laughs> There's Michael Myers stalking you around the house. <laughs> and the realtor is basically an actor leading you from room to room. And then you get to the final room and she's like, something's wrong. And Michael Myers basically comes out from underneath a bed. Jesus and Christ. she's like, get in here! And you all run in the closet. <laughs> and the best thing about it, it's closed down now, so I can say this without ruining it for every, everyone because the movie's out. But uh, there's a stooge and he grabs this girl no. who's been playing along with you for the whole thing mm. going, I think it might be that. And like, like she, I met her oh in the God. queue. <laughs> with, uh, my friend Rich, I was with Rich and she was, I'm here on my own. I was like, oh, you can hang with us. We're, there's just the two of us. She's like, oh, great. Totally sold on her being a genuine member of the public. Oh my God. And Michael Myers grabs her by the hair and drags her backwards and then they slam the closet doors. Was was Rich gutted when she got dragged out? Yeah. Oh, she's taken. Never mind. Okay. It's wasted Better 15 look next minutes. Time, Rich. <laughs> Sorry, Rich. <laughs> the realtor had to keep telling him, you can't go back out there. Michael's out there. He's like, but is she also yeah. out there? <laughs> because I was on a promise. 100%. Fun, fun to do with Rich, but sounds like that would have been nice activity for the pod wouldn't it <laughs> been great. could have been could have been um we could have recorded it a pod night out yeah because it was the classic halloween closet with the slats and his yeah. silhouette moving around behind we could, it we could have recorded audio we could we could have made it part of today's pocket it would have been a lovely thing to mm. just share with the team yeah yeah, yeah you should have come <laughs> totally that would have been great did you get the invite oh okay exit group rich, right. rich did uh right then 
Shall I tell you a little bit about this movie? So, uh, we're going to deal with the killer elephant in the room. Despite similarities to Black Christmas, <laughs> if you haven't listened to Monday's show, this was influenced by it, but it was not ripping off it in any way, shape or form, has, according to director of Black Christmas, Bob Clark. Has John has John Carpenter ever said, oh yeah, I remember Bob Clark telling me the entire plot for my film? <laughs> or is this something Bob Clark has just said? I I believe Carpenter said, oh yeah, of course Black Christmas was an influence, as he should. Mm. But th- that quote is so specific by Bob Clark. It's so passive aggressive. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> the entire plot was mine, but yeah, anyone would have come like to it. It sounds like he's been paid to say it mm. by John Carpenter's money. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to hear the quote again, just in case you didn't listen to Monday's episode? This is from Bob Clark. Um, he said, John Carpenter approached him and said, what would you do if you did a sequel <laughs> to Black Christmas? And I said, it would be the next year and the guy would have actually been caught, escaped from a mental institution, go back to the house and they would start all over again and I would call it Halloween. The truth is, and this is the key here, <laughs> John didn't copy Black Christmas. He wrote a script, directed the script, did the casting. Halloween is his movie. And besides, the script came to him already titled anyway. He liked Black Christmas, may have been influenced by it, but in no way... In no way, no way, Bob Clark here. In no way <laughs> did John Carpenter copy the idea. Sure. Okay. So just bear that in mind when you come to your verdict, V. <laughs> That's got nothing to do with how I feel. All right, fine. So at this point in his career, John Carpenter had just made, inspired by Rio Bravo, Assault on Precinct 13. At that point, called The Siege, uh, could not find <clears> a distributor. <throat> Step forward. Oh, I hope I've, I've missed that W. I think it's his name. Irvin Yablans, a former booker of a studio who just set up his own production company and needed a movie. So he sees Assault and Precinct 13, loves it, buys it. Doesn't do a massive amount of business in the US, but it wins an award, a big prize at the London Film Festival, cementing Irwin's belief in Carpenter as a filmmaker. So Irwin needs a new movie for Carpenter. One night he's drifting off to sleep when he comes up with this idea. It's a movie called what? what remind me what it's called. A stop or the babysitter will shoot. What was it called? I can't remember now. No, but if Sly Stallone's looking for a sequel. Uh, yeah, no, it's called The Babysitter Murders, but yeah. it's not. And as I said, I watched Irwin say it was never called The Babysitter Murders. Yeah, all right. It's an urban just myth. Calm about that for a second. I don't know. I your tone is off. <laughs> I'm just a little bit. It was your bit about, you know, fuck this movie. Kind of, it, it's, it's an innate response to having loved this movie. And fuck this movie felt strong. Alex, <laughs> your tone is off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, fine. Woosa. <sighs> okay. Fuck this movie. <laughs> so, he presents Carpenter with this script called Halloween, and he wants it to be a horror movie without gore and blood. He said it was inspired by old horror radio shows that made you imagine what was happening rather than seeing it. Carpenter agreed. He wanted $10,000 to write, produce, and direct, plus full creative control and 10% of the film's profits. He also... wants to sing the theme tune? (laughs) (laughs) Write the theme tune. (laughs) He wanted his name above the title, Mm. which is a massive swing for someone who's made Dark Star and Assault and Precinct 13 at this point, neither of which were a success. Irwin agrees as long as Carpenter will bring it in for no more than $300,000. So they get some money from a financer called Mustafa Al-Akkad. He gives the money forward. Uh, He likes the idea. He's still apparently involved in the Halloween franchise. So Carpenter and then girlfriend Deborah Hill wrote the script. So the smart thinking here is that John brought in a lot of the stuff, the nature of evil. 
and all this stuff that Loomis says mm-hmm. about Michael being pure evil. And Deborah really fleshed out the characters of Laurie and her friends and made their dialogue authentic. Uh, Hill says of the idea for Halloween, we went back to the old idea of the Celtic festival of Samhain, that Halloween was the night where all the souls are let out to wreak havoc on the living, and then came up with the story about the most evil kid who ever lived, and John came up with the fable of this town with a dark secret of someone who once lived there. Best thing about all this, do you know where the name Michael Myers came from? School bully. It's always a school bully. <laughs> no. Good guess. This is brilliant. Austin so the, Powers? Nope. No. Good, though. Uh, <laughs> the guy who put Assault and Precinct 13 forward, a U, uh, UK producer, an English producer who took Assault and Precinct 13, took it to the LFF, won it the big prize. His name was Michael Myers. Mm. And so, as a little nod, a thank you, John Carpenter called the killer Michael Myers. And apparently his wife, the real Michael Myers' wife, was straight on the phone to Erwin Yablans going... Yeah, that's lovely. We feel we should have some financial remuneration for this. And they never got any. But yeah. Good. You've not done anything. No. (laughs) (laughs) You've done your job, man. (laughs) Uh, So, casting-wise, Carpenter wanted Peter Cushing for Dr. Sam Loomis. Cushing's agent said, no, not enough money. (laughs) Christopher Lee was approached. He said, no, I don't want to do it. Both would have been very good. Oh, my God. Lee especially. Of the two, I'd have loved to have seen Lee doing that. It would have been great. He does say, Lee, Carpenter tells a story about how Lee eventually told him that it was the biggest mistake of his career not doing this movie. Christopher Lee said that. Christopher Lee said he that. He then would have slagged it off the last 10 years of his life because he hated every <laughs> horror film he did. But, I mean, I think when he said this, he hadn't made Attack of the Clones. So, right. you know, there you go. Uh, they'd seen Donald Pleasance in a Western, can't remember the name, and he said yes because his daughter, who was a musician, liked Carpenter's Assault on the Precinct 13 school. They'd seen him in a Western? Yeah. Okay. They would have seen him in The Great Escape as well, I imagine. But in the documentary I watched about this, it's, uh, they reference how it was this Western. I can't remember. Is it not The Wild Bunch he's in? I don't think he was in The Wild Bunch. I no. don't know what I'm thinking. No. They're a bit, they're a bit rough around the edges. The yeah. Pleasance. At ClashPod on Twitter, name the Western that Donald Pleasance was in shortly before that this. That they are talking about. That they are talking about. <laughs> or, or don't. <laughs> it's still better than Would You Kill a Zombie Baby, so... <laughs> We got the answer. <laughs> uh, uh, Dr. Sam Loomis gets his name from a character in Psycho called, amazingly, Sam mm. Loomis. Sure. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Deborah Hill definitely wanted to cast her after finding out she was the daughter of Janet Lee uh, from Psycho. She said, I knew casting Jamie Lee would be great publicity for the film because her mother was in Psycho. And obviously it was Carpenter's university friend Nick Castle who plays the shape when masked and Tony Moran is the actor who plays him at the end when we actually see his face. That's the role that Castle had done before this. Beach Ball Alien and Dark Star. Okay. And for more on that, check out our <laughs> Dark Star versus. Remind me what your choice was. The Three Amigos. <laughs> um, I, I read that Nick Castle was just coming down to set to observe John because yeah. he wanted to be a director, and John was like, 
you're not doing anything. <laughs> you're massive. Come, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's amazing. The whole crew is basically built around his sort of, you know, travelling troupe of filmmakers and creatives. So many people had multiple jobs on this. Uh, the girl who plays um, Annie, I think it is, will come to her. She's also the wardrobe department. The editor is also the production designer, which is how they brought it in for under $300,000. Yeah, it's amazing how many times the same names appear in the credits. Mm. Uh, we talked about an actor potentially being in the background of a crowd seen in Stripes. He was apparently nearly cast in this film for the same reason as Bob, a famous actor now. He wasn't at the time. It was PJ Soul's boyfriend. Oh my God. Do you remember? No. Dennis Quaid. Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. So remember, remember we talked about it. he was yeah, he's yeah, supposedly yeah. in Stripes. So yeah, yeah he, they nearly cast him as Bob. Would have been a different Bob. <laughs> oh, uh, well... That's pretty much it. There's some interesting other tidbits I'll drop in as we go through it. Uh, finally, I'll just say he brought it in, like I said, for 300000 And eventually, after being released theatrically over subsequent Halloweens, uh, the film brought in in the region of 60 to $70 million. So, shall we go through it? Mm. Yes, please. All right, great. Uh, everything about these titles gives me tingles. It's just the score, <laughs> the slow zoom in to the jack-o'-lantern slash I'll be calling it a pumpkin because jack-o'-lantern, nope. Uh, <laughs> I love it. That score, though. Does that score not give you tingles? I love it. I love, love, love the music. I listened to it at Halloween of my own volition. Mm. Uh, I think it might be a little bit overused in the film. But every time it's used, it's slightly different. Yeah. Mm. Honestly, hand on heart, and I know this is a bit of a, a low blow, I think the pumpkin looks a bit silly. Really? Yeah, I think it looks a bit a bit blue Peter, a bit wobbly bobbly, like it's going... Like I just, I just how I feel like <laughs> zooming in on a pumpkin isn't scary. The music is chilling. The pumpkin is silly. I don't know. And this is the problem here, because a lot of this is nostalgia for yeah, me. I'm so I see that pumpkins. pumpkin, I see the zoom, just getting closer, and I'm just like... Oh. The trouble is as well, because the mask... Is, I've, I've only seen this film once, but I was aware of it growing up because of Michael Myers' mm. face. That's the most. That's one of the scariest things that will ever be in my life. Yep. It's just beyond terrifying. So you have these feelings about the film already. So the pumpkin does look stupid. Okay. It's nowhere near. But you, those well, you, you wouldn't replace the pumpkin with the mask at this point. I'd replace the pumpkin maybe with just nothing oh, and just really? rely on the music. Right. Okay. I also like the introducing Jamie Lee Curtis credit because mm. we know what she'd go on to achieve. Yeah. Nancy Loomis is Annie. That confuses me. Yeah, so many Loomises. <laughs> too, many, too many Loomises. Too many Loomises. <laughs> she's, not a Loom, she's not a Loomis anymore, but she was then. Yeah, we'll talk about her when we come to Annie. But yes, it is confusing. She's got two separate names for two separate credits on this movie. So, Haddonfield, Illinois. In reality, a Californian suburb where this was filmed. And it's 1963. And we get this iconic opening. So you mentioned this on Monday. Uh, I think one of the reasons this film still looks amazing considering it's 1978, is the use of this brand new camera previously used in Rocky. This is the second film they use the Panaglide, this brand new camera that allows them to basically just do smooth shots that follow Michael around. And, and who's using it? It's, it's Dean Cundy, mm. who we, we talk about endlessly on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. He, he works on so many films that we love, and he ended up going on to win Oscars and mm. stuff. Uh, he owned one of these cameras, so that's how he got the job. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was all about saving money, so yeah. he didn't have, to, didn't have to pay for the equipment. Yeah, and of all the amazing shots that uses this Panaglide, this one is the tip of the iceberg. Quick question. Yes. Why is young Michael outside of his own house? I don't know, he's m- evil, 
evil people. You can't get inside. Don't try and get inside the head of Michael Myers. If are you, do you have a problem with why he's outside? No, I just he's spying I, on his sister. He's but he lives in the house. He can spy on her from inside the house. Why is it? You no. The answer is he's outside the house. So we we get that double thing of like, not only is it someone inside the house, it's a child, but it's a cheap shot because he shouldn't. The kids should not be outside of his own house. He's, he's gone. No he's gone to check see if he can get any candy early. Maybe, yeah, I don't know. It, it, well, it, it's Halloween night and he's dressed up, so yep. you could say he's gone out looking, he's gone out trick-or-treating. Mm. Yep. He might have just been on his way back from yeah. trick-or-treating. You makes, both know that the real answer is so that the filmmaker gets to go, gotcha, and that's not enough of a reason. But it's Halloween night and he's dressed up, so he's trick-or-treating. Yeah, yeah. But you've just made that up. <laughs> I know. On the Halloween night in America, they trick-or-treat. <laughs> it's a he's fact. Right. And they dress up. It's definitely a thing. <laughs> it's famous not for it, if anything. All right, all right, all right. So, yeah, he's outside the <laughs> house right, on his way back from trick-or-treating. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> Lovely. And he's forgotten his mask, yep. so he's got to go get his mask. Yep. All right, fair enough. So this was the last shot uh, they ever filmed, and they did it as many times as they could until dawn. The interesting thing here is that because this camera was brand new, it could only carry a much smaller, smaller cassette of film, which didn't last long enough for this entire one-shot uh. take. So there's a very clever cut point in it. I bet you know what it is. Is it when he goes inside? It's when he puts the mask, mask on. on yep. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. It, oh, that's great. Yeah. So yeah. that's the only cut in this entire bit where he puts the mask on and he put the mask on for the cut. So uh, can we talk about what Michael is a little bit? Because he kills his sister who's just had sex, uh, albeit very brief sex. Yeah, yeah I, really can, I know I can confirm that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm just being honest. It's nice. It's nice. I, I can't. <laughs> oh, I'm all night long. Lads, lads. Are you not tired, yeah. are you? Yeah, Wake just, up. Just wish knock, someone knock. was there with me. <laughs> uh, so, um, so he look, his sister's naked. She's just had sex. He looks at the bed she has just had sex in mm-hmm. before looking back at her. So he has a troubling relationship with sex and or his sister. But later on, as we find out, sex in general... Because he is, it feels like this film is leaning into he's killing her because she's had sex. Of course it is. Yeah, right. sex equals death. And and but, but outside that trope, yeah, that, like like taking away from the, that that idea that yeah, in all these movies, sex equals death. Not in Black Christmas. Not in Black Christmas. But why? Why? What does that say about him as the kid doing that? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. I've, I don't know. I suppose it's hard to disentangle. Because of everything that came after this film, as a viewer, I'm just like, okay, you had sex and now you've got to die. Ugh. And then what they've done is gone, wouldn't it be fun if it was a kid? And I'm sh- there's so much lore around the character of Michael Myers that I'm sure there is a very good reason as to why he's like that. But in that moment, I don't think, what's wrong with this child? I think the filmmakers are going, again, got you, he's a kid. That's all. Interesting. I think, oh, I think he's exploring something a bit bigger than that, isn't he? I think, I think it's, so. it's I about th- creating myth here. He's, he sort of denies us Michael's motivation, as they actually do across the films. They're, they're, there's all kinds of lore, but they never land on what his motivation is. Because as I say, I think it's more interesting to not answer that question. There is no answer. You're asking us. It would just be our opinion, because we're never told. What, what, what is his motivation? What is his problem? To be honest, if you could, there's an argument, I think, because he's so young, really young, as in he shouldn't really be sexually active or that aware. He looks catatonic when he comes out of the house. Mm. And you could, there's a reading where he's been possessed. You know, like he didn't know he was doing it. Like mm. some demon got hold of him and 
made him do those things. A demon that has a problem with sex, but not the boy himself. Yeah, and th- and there definitely is. Uh, you know, I think that is sometimes what Loomis alludes to in this film, and he alludes to it in later films that that something might have possessed him. That yeah. there's something more that pure evil has. Yeah, it, it, he's he's um. Oh, what's the word? Like a gateway. Yes, thing. to yeah. pure evil. Yes, I, I think because obviously Carpenter. You know, I, there was uh, at the point of making this, there was no idea that there were going to be sequels, let alone this many sequels, yeah. this many reboots or anything. So I think if we just look at it within the confines of this movie and sort of try and work out whether there was something, because I think it sort of leans into he had some sort of weird incestuous relationship, not actual relationship, but desire sure. for his older sister, because that then ties into the gravestone that he takes later and then displays on the bed over Annie's body. Mm-hmm. I think there's something there. Mm-hmm. I agree. But you're right. It is just opinion. So <laughs> I also think Michael is the product of bad parenting because the fact that he stands there with the knife and his parents just go, Michael? And <laughs> the, 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 the knife's covered in blood. You're supposed to look at the knife and go, that's covered in blood and not stand there. I guess I know it's for the shot, but the camera takes a while to pull back and they're yeah. just standing there. It's like, maybe go check the house. Or take this it is off my attic there. moment. They're, <laughs> yeah, very they're in shock. Yeah. All right. So we're off to Smith's Grove, Illinois, the night before Halloween, 1978. Uh, interestingly, Donald Pleasant said uh, apparently had uh, more than a couple of bottles of wine before shooting this scene, and everyone was very nervous <laughs> that he wouldn't be able to do it on camera. But he pulled it out of the bag after Carpenter had some strong words with him. It's kind of been easy because Pleasant did not enjoy being in this film. He said it was overwritten as a movie. His blinds are. <laughs> but... yeah. He's got the only lines in the movie, yeah, pretty much, apart from the girls. Enough. He yeah. gets the fancy to this, uh, this Michael Myers guy doesn't seem to... I, I seem to be doing a lot here. Death has come to your town. You want me to say that? Uh, so... Here we get uh, a little inkling of Loomis's opinion of him, how evil Michael is. He hasn't spoken since that night 15 years ago. Get a close-up of the rabbit in red matchbox that I'd never noticed before. Uh, we actually visit in Rob Zombie's 2007 reimagining the rabbit in red strip club, uh, where Deborah Myers, Michael Myers' mum, actually works as a dancer. But whatever, Rob Zombie. <laughs> I've never seen it, and no. I, I've got, I've actually got a copy of it and never put it on. I've heard the sequel is even more mm. interesting. Whatever. Yeah. So uh, I don't know why, and I've never been able to answer why. I love this scene when mm. they pull up to the hospital of the patients just milling about because it's the dark. frightening. It's frightening. Yeah. Uh, that image. They could do more with it, but maybe just having just that vision, that one vision, is absolutely chilling. Well, because she says, why are they out at night? And it's like, mm. yeah, why are they out at night? Like, it's not, so and it's also not nice weather. So it's like, they're not taking the, the air. Yeah. And I, this is going to shock you. Uh, maybe a lot of people. I never knew that was Michael Myers who jumps on the car and steals the car. I thought it was a random patient. I thought it was a random person at first and it was a distraction and then he'd get in. But the second time round, I understood better that it was him. Only from stuff that happens later where... Dr. Loomis says that he saw Michael driving away and that's the only yeah. patient he sees I, I, driving away. I can't help you. It's, it's obviously Michael Myers. Yeah. But doesn't he have, like, lank black hair? I swear it doesn't look like the guy who is unmasked later in the movie as Michael. But, yeah. No, <laughs> I mean, there were a couple of actors playing him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Three different people play Michael in this movie. So, um, the evil is gone. Let's meet Laurie after this break.
You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So, Laurie Strode, the most famous final girl in the world. Her dad's selling the Myers house, drops some keys off, and he's already there, mm. behind the door, breathing. Loomis has a conversation with the mm. boss of... Is the, is the, does a trigger happen here for Michael? Go on. So she walks up to his the door. She doesn't know he's in there. But she walks up to the door, she puts a key down, and then she's singing that song as she walks away. I wish I had you all alone, just the two of us. Does this trigger something in Michael and the symbolism of putting the key down that this is where his obsession with her begins? We've already established there's a sexual thing going on with him. And then this one girl, he hears these words. Does, do you think that's the start? Do you know why I think it most certainly is? I know where it is. Because it's not a real song. It's not a pop song from the time. It's actually a song that was made up for the film. Sure to actually say those things. So the intent behind those words mm. makes it clear that it must have been a trigger. I don't know. I think the film goes, <clears throat> he's activated much later when he sees Annie take her clothes off because she spills a tiny piece of butter on herself and does a full fucking strip for no reason. Mm. And there is <laughs> That's when he's so aroused yeah. and angry at being aroused, whatever Michael's whatever feels, it is. that he smashes a plant pot. Yeah. Mm. And I, I do, I'm, I'm being hypersensitive and obviously, this may be in there, it might not be. But it's like, he, so far, he's been stalking and lurking, basically. And he's an escaped murderer, but he hasn't done anything else yet. Um, she takes a. He's clothes. done something quite bad. Does he's, he? He's eaten a dog. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he's killed a guy who had a truck. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're right, actually. You're right. I think it goes. She takes her clothes off, and then there's a bit of a weird cut, and it's like, he's like, oh, okay, now I'm going to kill you, which I think is a little bit victim blamey. I just do think that. I think if she hadn't have taken all her clothes off, the film is kind of saying maybe he wouldn't have killed her. But that's his relationship with 
sex that we've established at the start the, the hypothesized sure, 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 but you can't have it both ways it's not realistic for a woman to spill a tiny bit of butter on herself and take every single piece of her clothes off it's fucking ridiculous she's like oh silly me strip 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 and she's not wearing a bra they did have bras in the 70s it's ludicrous uh-huh. You don't actually see how much butter she spills on her. She's got a tiny thing in her hand. But butter is going to, like, really right. stain. Oh, right. hey, I know, but she takes everything off. Right. And if it was butter that would stain, it would have to be melted. It therefore would be hot. If it was enough hot butter that she got it on her top and her bottom, she might need to go to hospital. Like... I think it, if you saw yeah. a butter stain on her top yeah. and none on her trousers and she's still got completely undressed you'd be fine but the film never ever shows you where the butter was spilled <laughs> so it is within the realm of reason yeah. that she got it on both top and bottom and I still uh, think no, his obs- and I still think his obsession starts here because Fair enough, yeah. he, he stalks Laurie from this moment onwards yeah yeah no I know okay I see that but I'm still not happy about the butter okay you never spilt butter on yourself? I have, of course I have, but I haven't gone, well, I'll take fucking everything off. I haven't also thought I will wash my clothes at my employer's house and run around in a shirt for a bit. Why are you, well, you're so judging. <laughs> judging everyone it's by not, your standards. It's not me doing the judging. It's John fucking Carpenter. What if, what if the parents came home and you're covered in butter? Cov- you look ridiculous. <laughs> They'd be like, what have you done? You're never babysitting again. <laughs> it's America. Every portion is massive it's, out there. It's all over you, it's Vicky. It's an entire tub of flora. Why didn't you? Why didn't you use a washer? (laughs) (laughs) And when she's got a bum in the window, no, 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 no. How do you climb out of a window? (laughs) Bum first. Do you go to put my bum out for? No, you go. Arms and head first. I just, it was fine when I first saw it because I was like, hey man, it was the 70s and you, this was your first, like, first out of the gates for the slashes. This is a cool film, it's fine. But then when you look actually what went before. Bob Clark doesn't have someone going, oh, silly me, a tiny piece of butter, and then, oh, let's take everything off. No, 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 can't have it. His, yeah, because his film isn't about sexuality at all, I don't think, whereas this one is. Are your kids covered in butter all the time? Well, yeah, they <laughs> are. <laughs> are their clothes literally soaked in butter? Yeah. So, it's just butter, kids. That, honestly, yes. <laughs> They're filthy, but what, who's made of time? What, you want to wash their clothes four times a day? Don't be ridiculous. <sighs> right. Uh, well, we haven't even... We haven't even got there we yet. We haven't even got there. That's, uh, that's more we, or less We've it. done it. We've done that bit, though. We can just pull that <laughs> when, bit out. When, and, we, and... when we get there, I, I feel there's still more to be had. Um, now, uh, tell me, uh, how can Michael drive? Do we need to know? Cause... Well, they, they he, I mean, obviously it's ridiculous, but he, he says a line later saying, oh, who the hell t- taught him to drive or whatever. So, uh, Lumi, done, job Lumi, done. Loomis asks a very valid question to the head of the hospital. He says, has, some, maybe has so, someone taught him to drive? Maybe <laughs> someone around here has taught him to drive, which makes you go... Yeah, it does see like he went in there as a child, and he's mm. come out there as twenty-one years old now. But I guess there's a hospital library. Anyone can do it. Yeah, they just had it. to do it. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Yeah. Butter, big problem. Driving a car, fine. Do you know what I thought it was? I've got a serious answer. I thought I understand what you're saying about Loomis. Actually, now that you're saying it, being a bit of a wrong on himself. Oh yeah. He's, and I think he's, he's saying the hospital people have actually tried to rehabilitate Michael by teaching him a skill, and mm. he's not he's not keen on that because he doesn't want him skilled up. Absolutely. So there you go. It is crazy that his diagnosis is he's evil. He is a doctor <laughs> of medicine. I mean, I never realised it until I came to write yeah. a synopsis for this. And I'm like, that's a mad diagnosis. Yeah. Can you imagine when your kids went in with a cover? My diagnosis, the child is evil. <laughs> You'd be like, I'll probably get a second opinion, mate. <laughs> yep. Just mad. Right. 
Uh, we get that cool shot that always, always, always creeps me out, which is where Michael is watching Laurie in her classroom from across the road and we see the mask for the first time. She looks out the window and he's just standing there staring. Yeah, it's the tension's unbelievable. And, and in the washing and, and also because the music, the, the, it's when it's maybe when it's used as like a motif, it's a bit much, but sometimes there's just silence and it's like, ah! yeah, it's really very good. So we see the mask. Shall we very quickly go over the history of the mask? It's very famous, but let's just touch on it here. So production designer Tommy Wallace went out to find a mask on Hollywood Boulevard at a fancy dress shop. Next to Mr. Spock, there was... A Captain Kirk mask. He made the eye holes bigger, shaved off the eyebrows and the sideburns, painted it white and dyed the hair darker. But before they tried it on Nick Castle, they tried a clown mask first. Yeah. And they thought it looked badass. But then they put this on and from the moment they put it on, they were like, this is it. Yep. Still use the clown mask. Yeah. It's what Michael picks up at the start of the film. Ah, as yeah. a kid, yeah. When he was trick-or-treating outside. <laughs> That's just opinion, but sure. On his way home. On, on yeah, Halloween on night in a costume. Yeah, yeah. Yes, okay. Yeah, yeah. But a butter-free outfit. <laughs> uh, we meet little Tommy Doyle, the kid who's being bullied, and who no one listens to when he says he sees the boogeyman, a trope that we were talking about on the yeah. Eight-Legged Freaks episode, where a kid actually goes, I know you're not going to listen to me about the spiders, because I'm a kid, and mm. no one ever listens to the kid. This is the setup of that trope. No yeah. one listens to little Tommy Doyle. So... Loomis finds the garage truck and the rabbit in red matchbox. He knows Michael was there because of the matchbox. Doesn't see the dead trucker, but explains the overalls Michael wears. It does tie up all these little things. Yeah, and, and I was just, I've just thought this second. If he hadn't uh, a workman that he's, he's killed, if it hadn't been a workman, he might have had a different outfit for all 12 <laughs> films. Yeah. You know, what if it had been a... The nurse. A nurse, and he was dressed as a nurse. Yeah, that, would, that would be movies. fucking terrifying. That would work. Yeah, that would work. Sort of the Joker in Dark Knight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But it's it's the simplicity, isn't it, of the overalls? And and in terms of that face, I think what's brilliant about that mask is that it's like there's something you can't in the distance that Laurie sees it across the road. You can't. It looks like a face, yeah. but not a face. It's so enigmatic, and it's like a face, but there's something wrong with it. Mm. And I think the brilliance of it just being that white is that you can project on it. Mm. It's that uncanny valley thing, isn't it? It's nearly perfect, but there's something a bit off from a distance. Obviously, up close, it's different, but it just sets off something in your animal brain that's Mm. like, that's dangerous. Mm. Yeah, it was written in the script um, that it was a blank. His face was just blank. And that's what they had tried to achieve mm. with that mask. So, oh, no, yeah. But that's why they call him the shape because mm. he's no—he's no longer a person. He's sort of an idea. He's a concept. He's and he doesn't—he doesn't react like a person from now on in this film. Yeah, true. Well, we'll talk about the disappearing act in a moment. But let's meet Laurie's friends first of all. So. Uh, Laurie's clumsy friends who get butter all over everything they're wearing. Uh, Linda, played by PJ Souls, who's um, planning on having sex with Bob later. Uh, Annie, played by Nancy Louise Keys, a.k.a. Nancy Loomis, a.k.a. Louise Keys. So she divided up her name into Nancy Loomis for her acting role and Louise Keys for doing the wardrobe on this movie. Uh, They all see Michael looming behind a bush and then they run up. And he's vanished. So it's, I mean, there is a billion, billion threads online about this. Is Michael supernatural or not? No. 
I, I mean, he does defy the laws of physics twice in this movie. Yeah, no, it does get a bit... It's hard at the end, isn't it? Especially, he, like, he cannot be killed. But at first, I don't like the thought that he's supernatural. Yeah. It's too stupid. Like, it makes it seem less scary, obviously. But you, to go back to the start, you know, a demonic possession is also... Yeah, that's true. But it's more scary in a child, I think. I think they try and walk the line in this film. I mean, if you're really analysing it, there's a couple of moments where, oh, that's not possible that he's disappeared that quickly. Um, Because early on, when Laurie sees him, he disappears. It's because she's got distracted. So there's time for him to disappear. But there's one moment when she's looking out of the upstairs washing, yeah. Yeah, and Mm. and, and that one doesn't seem right. But I think they walk the fine line that they keep it ambiguous enough. I think it's more interesting that he's not supernatural. Yeah. Yeah, I think... But but the evil within him is just making him incredibly strong and and able. That's what I like. Yeah. The idea that you're that evil that, like, it just won't let you die. Yeah, and, and, and I think that, you know, not that he's had anything to do with this film, but I think that... That's how David Gordon Green has termed it as well when he's talked about his version of Michael Myers, which is supposed to be the same. Mm. Yeah, it's one of the sequels to this movie where they do actually go back and there's a druid's curse or something. Yeah, and there's a cult and it's it's not good. (laughs) Uh, So... We find out Laurie's friends are into boys and sex, but Laurie is not. Guys think she's too smart. That's a good line. It is. She's really, really, really good because... This sort of virgin thing can be jarring. Like, you can think she's a bit of a lost cause, but especially when she's in the car with Annie and she's saying she doesn't ever want to go to the dance with her. She's not even talking. She's just looking really anxious. But you root for her. Like, it's a very nuanced performance. And I think the weight that you've got to carry as the lead, as the final girl and stuff like this, is massive because there must be a part of you thinking, is this actually stupid? Like, when you're at work, I mean, like, you're screaming and running and crying and it's like, is this going to be the end of my career or is it going to be fantastic? And it must be hard to tell. You know, didn't like Jamie Lee Curtis being cast as Laurie? Uh, Her mum? Yeah. (laughs) No, I don't. Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, okay. Uh, She said, I was very much a smart Alec. I was a cheerleader at high school. I felt very concerned that I was being considered for the quiet, repressed young woman, when in fact I was very much like the other two girls. Okay. So Loomis finds Michael's sister's Judith Myers headstone missing. So, as I said at the start, Michael clearly had very specific issues with his sister. Maybe he fancied her. Didn't know how to manage those feelings. Gah, we've all been there. I don't have a sister, so I can say that. <laughs> Loomis and uh, Sheriff Brackett meet at a store that was broken into where rope, Halloween masks and a couple of knives couple were stolen. A couple of knives, just kids. A couple <laughs> of knives? Yeah, kids, pranks, isn't it? What are you going to do? You can steal a gun in the US, though, so <laughs> knives are further down the scale. What, what kids <clears throat> do that? And then what hardware store has masks? Yeah, yeah. They don't sell masks. This, yeah, like I've been dust. in hardware stores. They don't sell masks. <laughs> Halloween, you're just looking for the extra buck. You'll stock anything. I'm going to defend every element of this fucking movie. Pete, some hardware stores might just have like a, a, a basket of, of $2 dollar masks. Fucking masks. Yeah. There, there aren't many cars on the road in Haddonfield, are there? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's only one car. And it's his. I mean, it is funny when he drives past in the background. It's so weird, isn't it? Like, I sometimes forget that you see Michael driving a car a lot a lot a lot you're sort of like he's sort of I think I just always imagine him appearing and being mysterious and then he's he's there in the back I I mean logic where's my keys (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things. If you think, if you saw Michael do it, the stuff that Michael does that we don't see him doing would be funny to see. Yeah. Like him carrying the gravestone. <laughs> yeah. Or him putting the sheet and the glasses on his head and making sure it I'm all looks sorry, all right. I'd forgotten about that bit. That's fucking hilarious Brilliant. and stupid. No, but it's not scary. It's not. Because, like you just said, have you ever cut eye holes in a sheet? So at first you're like, oh, the eyes are too small. I can't fucking see. Mm. So you've got to widen them. Then you're like, one's higher than the other. And it's impossible. And he's got it just so perfect that it's not at all terrifying. It's just ridiculous. It's, it's, do you not think it's sort of gallows humour, the idea that she thinks it's a joke and it's like funny for a moment for oh, her, yeah. but we all know that it's Michael. I don't think it's ever meant to be like scary, scary. It's meant to be black yeah, comedy. It's, it's a Halloween joke because yeah. he is a joker. He is. He does like a practical joke. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is one of the things that makes him interesting. But the logic would dictate that you should change the car. You're in this sure. car. Yeah. But... I, I like to think that Michael doesn't care. Like, he does hide in plain sight because he doesn't give a fuck. He's just like, yeah, you, I'm, I'm going to... say fuck, Chris. No, no. <laughs> I, I could just, just walk around. Then he's like, I know. Give a fuck. You regretted it. You wanted to <laughs> take know, it back. Like, sounds stupid. But he's just, he doesn't care. He's walking around town and he can do whatever he likes. And I kind of like that aspect of him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just... Come at me, bro. A force of nature. Yeah. Yeah. Unstoppable. Um... Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, night falls now because uh, it needs to. And Laurie mm. and Annie, it does happen very quickly uh, yeah. on, on one drive across Haddonfield, which I don't <laughs> think is that black. big. Yeah. Yeah. He ate a dog, though. Uh, I don't think we've got to that yet. But yes, he does. Oh, he, uh, we've, he, he does eat a dog. Um, yeah, they go to the Myers house and find a, a still warm dog's body. He got hungry. He ate a dog. I just, I, it's something I hadn't really clocked or picked up on or thought about. Yeah. That's yeah, madder well, than yeah, the other stuff. He is, why has he done the that? The killing I get, but <laughs> yeah. the eating of a dog. What's wrong with you, Michael? Yeah, take Har- your mask off, go to the shop. Hardware Easy stores peasy. also sell snacks as well as <laughs> Halloween masks. And then he kills a dog. He's. Oh, I'm sorry, he's a wrong one. Of course he's a wrong <laughs> I don't think any of us come to this podcast to go, well, I did actually at the start. Let's look at Michael Myers through a different lens. He was failed by the medical system. Yeah. Uh, I, I do like Loomis's uh, quint speech oh here. Oh my God, it's so good. The blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. <laughs> what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. I'll never put on a life jacket again. <laughs> 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 see, I, see what you've done there? <laughs> <sighs> I hate myself, pretty, pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, I think at this point, and you kind of touched on it, like, you know, we haven't actually seen him do any violence yet. It's, you know, Annie is his first bit of violence, but we've heard a lot about how evil he is from mm. Loomis. We know he's eaten a doll. We know he's got some knives. We saw the dead body of the garage owner. So the tension of going, what the fuck is this guy yeah, going to so- do when we really actually see him do some of these things that we know he's capable of? Yeah. It's great. Uh, I did write, Annie gets butter all over herself making popcorn. I'll show you my working there. Annie. Do you really think that's true? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You were stupid. <laughs> I'm sorry. She got it all over herself. She did. Otherwise, why would she take all her clothes off? She oh, must have got know. it on everything. She, I guess she Poor must girl. have done. Poor girl. Clumsy old oh, Annie. silly me. I forgot to put my bra on this morning. What I don't I wear like? a bra every day. <laughs> <laughs> Do you wear a bra to go babysitting him? Of course. What the fuck are you talking about? 
I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if there's certain situations where you just go, oh, fuck it, I don't need a bra today. I wish I did so I could defend well, Danny's yeah, decision not here. Not work is not one of them. <laughs> She's going to work. Right. For a child. Yeah, I know. Not for a child, for the child's parents. That's a weird line in a bit, isn't it? Where they... Oh, my God, Bob. Yeah, what, what the that? fuck is Bob's issue? Bob deserves to die. Yeah, but does... I, I was like, it was a different time. But like, no. Is, is that just no, all no, right? no, it wasn't that fucking different. <laughs> such a mad That's line. a little teaser for what's coming up. So, yeah, Annie gets butter all over herself, uh, which angers watching Michael or arouses him in a way he can't process because he was failed by his doctor. And Are so, we not allowed to say cockroach because he's an evil, misogynist bastard? I, he was a child when he entered the care system. He was a child when he murdered a woman. Right. Yeah. Still a child. No, you're right. Still a child. So he should have been helped. Yep. He should have been cured. I don't know. Rehabilitated. At least given a better diagnosis than you're pure evil, Michael. <laughs> that's, that's all I'm saying. I'm saying yeah. that's not what you should do as a that's doctor. True, but as an adult now, you said you think he, that might he, have fed into maybe. Am I? Oh, okay. <laughs> maybe I am evil because I was feeling regret for murdering <laughs> yeah. Judith. But you know what? You've told me enough times. I, like you just come into my room and go, evil Michael. I suppose because I inferred that Loomis had tried to talk to him but was stonewalled for fifteen years, and he's, no, the man's not said a no, word. He was stonewalled for eight years. Oh, yeah. He spent eight years trying to reach him. Yeah. And then seven years trying to keep him locked up. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I just wonder, you know, in your version, which I know is partly for the lols, Mm. but is is Michael Myers not capable of choice? No, I don't think so. No, fair enough. I just wondered what you thought. That's all. I think he's driven by this. And my issue isn't with Michael Myers as a character. It's with the what the filmmaker has done about sex equals death, given the progenitor <laughs> of this movie. Honestly, yeah, I, I do. There, there's a part of me that wishes this is going to get very. Maybe I'll just gloss over this bit. Honestly, okay. I think I just watched a lot too many movies where sex equals death yeah. when I was a kid, and I think it did make me sort of go, "Fucking sex is real. It's associated with potentially <laughs> yeah. dying." Yeah, you and know, booze being as well vulnerable. is in this as well. So, like, what, you know, Linda gets it kind of worst of all in terms of the. I think she's humiliated as a character because she's got her hair in pigtails and her boobs out and all the rest of it, and she's constantly she's like, "Get me a beer, get me a beer." So he's gone. The filmmaker has gone, not only sex, but also drink. Like, just don't forget, ladies. Which I guess, you know, when you put it like that, makes me kind of angry because it is quite a conservative, like, viewpoint, which you don't imagine maverick filmmaker John Carpenter to be, to have all these very old-fashioned values. Unless you're like, I forgave him first time around, which is like, okay, we were just finding our feet with this thing. Fair enough. You want to tap into people's darkest fears, which is if I transgress, I will be punished. And how teenagers transgress is sex and drinking. Mm. But someone's already done it and and did it without leaning into any of that and you had a conversation with him where you said if you'd make a sequel what would you do and you've taken 50 steps backwards with that shit and I don't think that's acceptable it's interesting isn't it has anyone done it Chris will know uh, has anyone done a movie where it's the complete opposite where it's all the squares that die and it's the drunk it, sex machine that yeah. uh, survives there, there, yeah there's a, there's, a, there's a slasher called Cherry Falls yes and you get killed unless you lose your virginity yeah and so all the kids suddenly have to go around nutting each other <laughs> it's a really good film it's got it's a brilliant film but it's got a really problematic reveal and final third which is why i haven't put it forward for us to do okay um but it's yeah that's a fun one um because i didn't think this had any problems but i'm sure v uh would find something problematic with uh, jerry falls even if it wasn't a no oh nice okay that's nice (laughs) all right thank you (laughs) 
No, I'm just, I, 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 I'm actually starting to come round to your way of thinking, especially about why the fuck are we being told that sex is bad and drink is bad by the filmmaker? Which, yeah, and, you, know. and, you know, he obviously has had this. You know, he's been asked this question before. Mm. Have you got stuff? I don't actually, but I'm hoping you do. Yeah, he's, he, well, I'll have to paraphrase, but he says I'm not a conservative filmmaker, and and Laurie's not goody two shoes and she's smoking weed That's in the true. film yes and he just said that because she wasn't trying to get laid that night she just happened to have more focus than her friends and but it, I, I mean he's obviously not a right-wing conservative no, person and I, I think part of the trouble here is if he'd done the same as black christmas it would have been the same he's done something slightly different here unfortunately it's like the lesson that other filmmakers have taken away yeah and is, run with, is yeah. this is it whereas this is an interesting approach to take and you know it, it i mean yes agreed it, you know sex shouldn't equal death and it's boring that if you you know lose your virginity you deserve to die and if you are a good girl you've got more you've got more value in society it's it's just it's it's misogynist and it's a backwards thing but i don't know he was trying something here i yeah. think it's i think the the problem is what came after it i guess because people recognized it and went i agree with that kind of thing so let's make a million films where that's hugely reinforced and so yeah you're right i'm i'm again putting a lot onto him because I thought, you know, because it was the first and all the rest of it. But him, that's not his him, fault. Him and his girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> Two writers. Yes. Uh, I mean, it is, it's kind of funny because Annie's wandering around in an oversized shirt and nothing else. Uh, whereas we cut to Laurie and she is wearing a pink pinny, yeah. <laughs> a little pinny apron, a little uh, doily kind of what they call the little thing on the other. The, uh, what's the word? You know, when it's like a doily. The edging is all... Like lace work. Lace work, yeah. There's <laughs> lace work on the edge of her pinny. Thanks. Pinny, uh, so, God, I haven't heard that word for a very long time. I, I, I've, ne- I've never heard it. So well, is my, it... Yeah, my grandma had a pinny. Pass me my pinny. Okay, no problem. Oh, that word. Oh, yeah. Yeah, pinny. <laughs> lace work, I've heard. Right, okay, yeah. Pinny, yeah. That's cute. It is, isn't it? Yeah. It looked like a pinny. It well. was a pinny. It was a pinny, right? <laughs> it was. It was. So let's get, let's get our first kill out of the way. He's fucking after her now. Annie gets strangled by Michael from the back seat of a car. The condensation is a nice touch. I'd never noticed yeah. before. Yeah. Really good. But nasty. Really nasty. It lingers too long. Strangling is, I find, I find that somehow worse than being stabbed. It's also confusing because it's like, oh, it's a slasher. It's a slasher. Like, I thought it would, he'd be consistent. Mm. Um, She's a very bad babysitter, though. So there's some aspect. She's aspects, a terrible So there's some aspects of her deserving this. I tell you what, and she whistles. I was like, God, you're <laughs> annoying. Let, let's get you done. And that hot butter could have gone all over Lindsay. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's just lucky. <laughs> lucky that Lindsay wasn't there because there was so much butter. It was could have gone everywhere. So, uh, Pleasance has quite a funny moment telling a kid to get away from the Myers house from behind a bush. It's <laughs> yeah, funny. funny. <laughs> so weird, yeah. <laughs> Just tell him. <laughs> how long is it? How long does does Loomis stand outside Michael Myers' house? The majority of this film. <laughs> Uh, I think so. we need a cut where we just watch him <laughs> <laughs> looking at his watch. Yeah, pacing, a bit. Yep. Uh, so uh, this is the moment that you were talking about just a second ago, V. Bob and Linda uh, turn up and Bob says the weirdest thing. So they're obviously using the house where Annie is babysitting Lindsay. Lindsay's played by Carl Richards, a huge star now uh, of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, uh, which I found out and I've never seen, but she's in all 245 episodes of it. So, Lindsay's eight, or thereabouts, and Bob says to Linda, first I rip your clothes off, then I rip my clothes off, 
Then we rip Lindsay's clothes off. What the fuck, man? She's fucking eight. It makes no sense. What a weird thing to what say. What a shit joke, did, even. Did, did he, the actor, get Lindsay and Annie, the characters, muddled up and no one went, you, you know, we've yeah. got no money to reshoot that. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's probably what's happened. Do you, Do you think, think so? it is? I hope so. It doesn't really, yeah, it doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense. Even as a dark joke with yeah. your girlfriend, it's not funny. It's such an off-putting thing. And then he gets killed and you think, good, fuck you, Bob. Yeah. Pedo Bob's dead. Good. I mean, Bob does get uh, one of the tropes himself, the start of the Mm. I'll be right back. He actually says the words. Uh, Again, we can do this really quickly, but apart from seeing his feet, which is vulnerable, when Bob is killed, he isn't as vulnerable or as exposed as his girlfriend so why? You can do it a million ways. He's all, isn't he fully clothed? But and he, he is penetrated. He is penetrated. Okay, yeah, he's penetrated. Uh, fine. But I just don't like the, the, the lack of equality there that you see his naked feet and it's like, oh, okay, whatever. But Linda, you see so much of her. Well, what, just to follow this train of thought, what would, what would you rather see of Bob's? All of it. <laughs> I don't know. Just I, well, I saw I, everything. <laughs> I saw everything. It's not fair, is it? So why is she topless to get killed? But this and is he's a not? massive. This is a, this is a huge conversation to unpack because this is just this is this is what the way it's been in cinema because you know people don't really want to see the male genitalia because it's not attractive. No, I mean maybe not his actual all of it, but he maybe not just his feet. Oh, what, all right. Why can't Linda throw a top on? There you go. That's mm. the easiest answer. The, and you know the answer is because we want to see her tits. Yeah. And it's like, well, again, yeah. fuck you. It's not good enough. <laughs> like, we think John Carpenter is a cool dude. This is not cool. So you like titillation? I do, of course I do. But mm. um, why would I like... Why is, why is this okay? But this is, I think it's not fair to level this at John Carpenter. I mean, you know, this is like... We've, yeah, we've, no, talk, we've talked about a billion movies. We talked about Die Hard. We I talked know. about Commando. We talked about, you know, every Joel Silver movie I know, I know. That we and did it, in the I'll 80s. I'll tell you what, it is bad because every time... We have, we have this conversation all the time and for whatever reason, we, we, I, just think, oh, you, not you though, you can do better than that because of who you are. When someone shit does it, you think, well, whatever, you got paid to be shit and the the world keeps well, turning. Well, I, I, but... I agree with, you know, our friend Kim, who's all, her thing was balls for boobs. Every time you see bo- boobs in a movie, you've got to see a pair of balls. <laughs> right on for that. But, you know, this was what the market was demanding of a fledgling filmmaker was titillation and tits, and he delivered. Great. I mean, you know, it's the, it, it must come down to the bottom line. I know He's, it does. I know it does. But, no, I mean, you, that's, know. If the, you know, it's like that question. It's like, you know, why... <laughs> People sell cigarettes, they kill people, but people, they do it because it makes a shit ton of money. People put boobs in a movie and it's probably unhealthy for what it does psychologically over the years, but it makes a shit ton of money. For what we're proving here seats. is there should have been uh, boobs in Black Christmas. Then, uh, yeah, and then my Would have made some money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know it's probably true as well. Oh, I do know. It might, made, yeah. it might have made a difference. I don't know what it is with, with old JC. I don't know why I get... Oh, I've been this upset before really about something. you like him. Yeah. It is that, yeah. That's that's quite basic, yeah. That's true. That's it. Yeah. So I just feel a bit like, oh, you as well then. Yeah, and I, I guess obviously, I think this, I, I think this didn't come up when we were talking about the multitude of Joel, Joel Silver films, and it's come up here is also because these are women who are dying. Yeah. Whereas in Joel Silver, it's just that there's one for the fourteen-year-old boys. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. This. He he didn't get 
anyone's boobs out in the thing. So all power to him. Sure. <laughs> That is so true. <laughs> Respect is due. That's that a really is good true. point. I didn't yeah. even so think progressive. of that. Yeah. Not a, not, and, and, not. Yeah. Oh, I knew he was good. Mm. There we go. Mm. I feel all right again now. Lovely stuff. Ah, good. Right, we're back on. So, uh, Michael's head tilt. The head tilt. I was just going to say yes. it. So he's, he's grabbed Bob, he grabs Bob and he holds him up by the neck with one hand and stabs him with the other, which is this superhuman strength we're talking about. I mean, you... You try and do that to me after this, Alex. I bet you can't. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to take that bet. Is that an option? <laughs> but the head tilt is like this this moment of inhumanity. It's like, what is he, what, why is he tilt his head? What's he, he looking he, at? I think he might be surprised that he's trapped a man. <laughs> like, he's like, that's how I read it. Like, he's like, oh, I'd not even thought that. Yeah, I'm that's one. really interesting. Yeah. I've got a that's bloody not, bloke. I've got, oh, shit. <laughs> I need to start again. Oh, I, I just saw it as him, uh, you know, fascinated with what uh, mm. the, the face of death looks like on something that was just yeah. previously alive. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah. To watch the it's, life it's, ebb out. It's just such a strange moment. And it's such a memorable moment. <laughs> yeah. And Nick Castle, uh, I was mm. asked by John Carpenter to do it. I think I told you this last week, but he, he, Nick Castle says in an interview, he goes, yeah, John Carpenter just said, tilt your head to one side and then the other side. And I didn't know what the hell he wanted me to do, uh, like why he wanted me to do that. And it was only when I f- finally saw the movie that I realised, oh, fuck. Yeah. It looks great, Michael examining his work. Mm. So we've done the ghost stare, ghost Michael. Uh, hilariously He's weird. a joker. He's a, it's the playfulness of a kid. Mm. Yeah. Isn't it? He's, he's still a of child at heart. Of a clown. Of a clown. Yay. And he's, he's still a child at heart. <clears throat> yeah. And we, uh, I think this is, to my memory, this is the first time we get a real good close-up of the mask after he kills Linda mm. with the phone cord, is it? It's a strangulation again. Yeah. 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 And uh, and you see the mask close-up and it looks fucking terrifying. Meanwhile, Loomis is still at the Myers house. (laughs) Uh, I'm actually going to ask you guys, I need this explaining to me a bit. So he sees the car Michael's been driving around. How does that connect with... Why does he know to leave the house? I can't honestly remember, and I didn't write it in my notes, unfortunately. How does he know to go to where Laurie is? I've absolutely no idea. Is it a call from the police or something? Does she call the police? She does call... Doesn't she? I don't know. I can't remember. I just can't... Honestly, someone's screaming at us right now going, it's obviously this. No, I Just none of us wrote down. I remember he sees a car and he chases it and then he's like, you, police officer, let's go. Mm. But I don't... I I can't join the I can't remember how he gets from the Myers house to where Laurie is. But Laurie... Don't bring it it up then. Okay. (laughs) Laurie goes... I thought one of you might know. Uh, Laurie goes to investigate what's happened to Annie's. Finds um, Annie uh, with the Judith Myers headstone. Bob appears to be hanging... uh, Appears hanging in the closet. I'm sorry, Linda looks stupidly funny in the cupboard. Give over. She does. She does it. It looks funny. She's like, ah, <laughs> ah. It's her face I'm doing. <laughs> I was like, that's not scary. But that, that sort of deathly tableau he's created on the bed, hmm. I feel like that's the start of this thing with Michael where he's he, he doesn't just want to kill, he's feeding off people's fear. Right. Because that's done as a prank and it's also done to terrify her. Yeah. Um, and I think that's interesting. And it's also, for me, watching this time, I was thinking, oh... He's laying this, he's setting this up 
to frighten a person, just like John Carpenter setting this up to frighten us. Yeah. And so I wonder if he's sort of seeing something of himself in Michael in in in, in creating these terrifying scenes for people. That's so weird. And it's we all everyone reads this movie in different ways because I at no point did I ever think Michael knew Laurie was going to come over there and investigate. I thought he'd just make his way over to her house and kill her next. So I saw it as he'd done it just for him. This wasn't to scare anyone. This was purely for his weird satisfaction. Yeah, that's what I thought. Satisfying some... Just his own thing. This thing that he has with his sister, whatever it is. Yeah. Putting this girl next to her gravestone. So, yeah. That brilliant moment where Michael's mask appears out of the dark behind Laurie where the lighting changes Mm. and he's in the doorway... And then he fucking misses from two <laughs> feet away. <laughs> Just come on. So he follows her to Tommy Doyle's house and she stabs him in the neck. And I think, if I'm right, the reason he sort of collapses, because it's a little bit like, you know, when you want to make a big deal out of someone pushing you and you go, ah, <laughs> ow, ow, they really hurt me, miss. They really, they really hurt me. I think this is the first time he's ever been caused pain and so yeah, that's, that's why he's just like, he's so, he's never experienced pain before. He looks, he looks sh- surprised. Yeah, you're right. Well, yeah. you're guessing he looks surprised. Yeah, but, I, yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah. I you're, like you're, you're imprinting. Yeah. Um, I, I also, I think we established when we talked about the zombies, that slow zombies are scarier than fast zombies. <laughs> and, and here, he's uh, slow. He's, he walks very slowly yeah. and it's frightening. He never runs, but there's something so much more terrifying about that that's, that's different. It's something we're not used to. He walks Threat with purpose, we- though. Yeah. 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 Real purpose. Yeah. Like, you know that he's coming, like, zombies stumble. I can't believe I'm getting dragged into this again. Fast zombies are scary, in fact. They're not, no, they're not, Alex. No, they are. are silly. No, they are. Well, it, honestly, a lot of slow zombies, maybe, but Michael Myers mm, yeah. is one man. If it was one zombie going, I would not be scared. What, your silence speaks volumes, Victoria. I think fast zombies are scarier for obvious reasons, but I think um, the original Dawn of the Dead is a superior movie to the one that you're in. No offence. I guess the problem with fast <laughs> zombies is they're like any other monster. It's true. This yeah. is what makes zombies unique and what makes Michael unique is that he never he never needs to run and there's something really frightening about that. Yeah, but he, he walks with purpose. Zombies don't. Sometimes he does, yeah. Yeah, yeah a lot. Sort of a lot, though. Uh, great. Thank you for the verdict that you weren't there for. Mm-hmm. So it feels like we've actually completed that episode now. <laughs> right then. Uh, Laurie goes to a neighbour. Another trope where people just don't help you. Yeah. This is brilliant. Yeah, I love she's it. she's screaming her head off. But it's you... maybe the most frightening moment in the film. I think so, You yeah. know, and, and something, you know, they, they make it clear in both of these films that this is a time when people leave their doors unlocked and their windows unlocked. And yet, this it's all changing now. Yeah. You know, and nowadays, of course, we wouldn't go and help someone that we heard. We'd think, no, no. They, they, it's a pra- they're coming for us. Yeah. Uh, and it's just awful that, that society turns its back on Laurie. She's in the closet. She's in the closet and Michael Myers is smashing his way into the closet and that is not either Tony Moran, who is the Michael we see unmasked in a moment, or Nick Castle. That is production designer Tommy Wallace uh, in the only scene in which he plays Michael Myers in this movie, The Shape. And it's because they only had, he was the production designer and he only sourced with the budget they had, one closet door to be smashed. And so he said to Nick Castle... I think I should do this because then if it gets fucked up and goes wrong, it'll be on me. <laughs> Otherwise, if you do it, I'll be very angry. So that's Tommy Wallace smashing through and getting an 
coat hanger in the eyes. Good shot. So this is fascinates me because you know when Michael is unmasked, yeah, and you see what looks like a, a long healed deformity mm-hmm. on his eye or some scar tissue over his left eye that is healed, and a lot of people have been like, "Oh, so something happened." There's a story there. No, that's supposed to show the damage from when Laurie stabbed him in the eye oh. with the coat hanger. Okay. It just doesn't look great Very because <laughs> the prosthetics were what they could afford. Fair enough. So that's why he looks like that, because I was always like, oh, disfigured or something. But no, no, it was meant to be a recent wound. And uh, yeah, we've got Laurie in the foreground. Another beautiful, beautiful moment often replayed where Michael just sits up in that one fluid mm. motion. Yeah, that's great. Mm. It's, it's an inhuman way of sitting up. It is. It's, it's, it's like a robot, isn't it, sitting up almost? It's great. And then Loomis turns up and shoots him. Thank God the man turned up, because the girl's gone to bits. Agreed. I mean, it, it, you know, and was it made now? Of course, it would be uh, Laurie. Not only does she not get the kill shot, which she should, she's also relegated to blubbing on the stairs and she's then robbed of her dignity because she has to go, it was the boogeyman, which is a fucking childish, dumb thing to say anyway. I mean, I'd be in tears, to be perfectly honest. And if someone had a gun, which I also don't have, and they shot the attacker, I'd be kind of cool with it. Yeah, but then she's also, I then again, this is, I've written this without thinking about it, but then everything you said about Loomis makes this true. So she's then patronised and possibly traumatised by a healthcare professional <laughs> who then goes, as a matter of fact, it was. And it's like, that's not actually true, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I told you. Yeah, I what the fuck is this guy like? Oh, he's terrible. And also, he's, he's as mad know, as Michael. You can literally give her a name. You know perfectly well who he was. He, but you're like, well, I'll give you nightmares forever. There's, <laughs> there's something of Captain Ahab about Loomis. Loomis, though, that, yeah. that in yeah, the way sure. that the whale has driven Ahab mad, this has driven Loomis somewhat mad. But um, obviously, they, you know, everyone agreed that that was not the right ending for Laurie, and no. it, you know, they they addressed it in uh, Halloween of 2018. Yes, and, and she and she does get her moment. But what she again do- and again and again, I think they've really gone out. Of, <laughs> they've actually gone out of their way to rectify Sorry this mistake. <laughs> but um, but she does. She does enable Loomis to make the shot because she's the person that takes off his mask, and that's the one moment where he lets his guard down because that that there's something about that mask like that's become his identity now, mm. and someone removing it is the one moment where he sort of gets defensive, and that's when Loomis makes the first shot, which I think is a really important moment. True, 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 true. Uh, yeah, so uh, Loomis, uh, ever the competent medical professional. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Diagnosis with Laurie, like, that was the boogeyman. Yeah, who was it? I've no idea. Actually, Michael Myers, a real person. The body's gone. He's still out there somewhere, probably hunting you. You. Pure evil. Yeah, have some paracetamol. And uh, that's your lot. Any more for any more? Yeah, I think that ending is... So the music kicks in, Laurie's crying, and we and we get shots of the house. And I, I, it gives me chills because it's this... It's like... It's... it's these familiar places are now evil. Yes. If we saw those shots at the start of the film, no problem. We're seeing them now. And Michael's presence is still there, even though he's gone. He actually won't leave this space. And so I think it's, a, I don't know, I think it's a really frightening, smart, clever it's ending. It's frightening because when, if, so whenever you, if you've ever been burgled, like I know it's not the, quite the same thing, but a, a home, your yeah. home is your, you know, your place of safety. And if someone else has been in it, Every, even things that are just innocent looking are just ruined 
and it's exactly that like that house is ruined it's no yes. longer a place of safety um, and that feels really upsetting and he's very relatable and all the rest of it told you my story where someone broke into yes. the house and then I got to the top of the stairs holding I was the guy with the kitchen knife I yeah. was holding a kitchen knife watching someone let himself out of the front door <laughs> Ugh. It was pretty scary. The worst part was that I then ran to the window and whoever it was, and I couldn't make him out in the street, looked up and waved. Are you telling the truth? 100%, yeah. Are you really? He waved back at me and my little brother when we looked out of the window, having locked the front door. Fucking hell! So that was a proper Michael Myers moment. (laughs) (laughs) And also, what a prick that man is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two kids, like, looking at you. Did, Did you watch the TV version footage? No... What's, what's well, so, so, there, so there's a there's a longer version of Halloween. So because it's so short, when it was airing on TV a couple of years later, it wasn't long enough for the two hour slot to get all the ads they wanted in. And because they made Halloween two so soon after, they wrote additional scenes for Halloween. A lot of people, their first version of this that they saw was the two hour version with four additional scenes, which are what? And they're quite big scenes. I mean, they don't make the film better, but the big one is. At the start of the movie, you get a lot more Loomis. You've got um, them. You've got doctors reading the judge's decision to Loomis, and it goes on for four minutes with um, the fact that they're going to move him to this to this you know a lower security place, and then on his twenty first birthday he'll be tried as an advert as an adult. And, and Loomis is just losing his shit over this. He wants him in maximum security. He says the staff isn't adequately uh, prepared, and he's upset that his notes weren't presented at the hearing. And he says, "I spent four hours a day with him for six months. He's the most." dangerous patient I've ever observed. His catatonia is a conscious act. (laughs) Um, He says there's an instinctive force within him. He's waiting. Um, But they won't budge. And so he storms out and then he goes and sees where Michael's trashed his room. And unfortunately, Halloween 2 has this twist which they've not used for the newer films. So it turns out that Laurie is Michael's sister. Mm. And so he finds that sister scrawled on the door by, by Michael. But, um, and and um and then he later visits Michael and we get a really long just pan in to Michael's face, Michael the kid's face, mm. as uh and then back to Loomis just staring and between the two of them and then Loomis just says to him, "You fooled you fooled them, haven't you, Michael? But not me." This sounds great. <laughs> I mean, it is good stuff. It is good stuff. Um, but yeah, and so there is a as I say, a lot of people their first exposure to Halloween was with all these scenes in. Wow, mm, it's good wow. stuff. I like that. Uh, <clears throat> all right then. I think that's uh, that's pretty much everything. Should we do the bits? Sure. Great, uh, Chris. What's your best scene? I saw a video on YouTube of someone recording an audience in 1978 watching the ending of Halloween, and when Michael sits up, the noise is unbelievable. <laughs> so I'm going with the scene that made everyone <laughs> scream in 1978, and that's Michael sitting up. He, <laughs> V. I do like the bit where it's clear that no one's going to help Laurie and she's screaming and banging on the doors and running across the lawn and that slow walk thing is very good there where he's just advancing like a weird tank. Mm, Much more frightening. But I want to pick the thing that I just remember and it made me laugh and I just think it's brilliant. Like, I can't believe that Donald Pleasance didn't enjoy it, but either of the Loomis, let's call them diatribes, either of those, the dialogue is so incongruous with the rest of the movie where it's like, we're just girls and we're doing whatever. And he's like, death has come to this. (laughs) But to me, it's funny, Mm. but it's also brilliant because of who he is as well and the way he does it. But I, I would like to see him monologuing all day long. It's so awesome. He overacts. 
acts so much in this film, and yeah. it's absolutely fine. Yeah, yeah. So either of those, <laughs> and, and he might have hated doing this film, but he did about five more. So <laughs> uh, everyone likes something the minute it goes. It made how much? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, mine is uh, the opening. That steady cam panaglide yeah. opening with the kid with Michael, who That's uh, correct answer actually should definitely be outside the house because on his way back from <clears> trick or treating, <throat> he's Halloween. on his way back in his costume, <laughs> and uh, yeah, just the whole thing. It yep. just I remember it from the first time I watched it and every time I watch it it just stays with me because it's just just the fact he's a fucking kid so yeah that's my best thing and that's the correct answer (laughs) (laughs) Uh, all right Victoria what is your most valuable or who is your most valuable whatever in this movie I'm just gonna pick the mask is that all right yeah that's a great answer Um, Mm. I wanted to pick Jamie Lee Curtis but I think he just gets a bit robbed and (laughs) the mask is just the thing like I I am still very very scared of it as a grown-up lady (laughs) I was scared of it when I was younger it's it has a life of its own and it is just terrifying. It's, you know, I said it before, you can see him, but you can't see him. And that's really, really awful. It's more scary than the hockey mask, the Friday the 13th hockey mask, which is a close second. Yeah. Um, but it's just the idea that he's almost a person. What about when Jason Voorhees gets a special upgrade mask, <clears throat> Jason X, and it becomes metal? Oh, do, you, do you like that? <laughs> okay, Chris. Uh, you know, this is all John Carpenter, but I always like to give a shout out to Deborah Hill. She's so much a part of this. You know, you saw I've saw interviews with the the actresses who were saying how important she is on set in terms of organising everything. Um, but I'm going to vote for neither of them. I'm going to vote for the music composed in three days at Sound Art Studio in L.A. with uh, Dan Wynan, who he worked on uh, Assault on Precinct 13 with, but. Here's the fun stuff. That tune is something that his dad taught him on the bongos when he was a kid. What the da 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 da? Yep. That. And it's funny listening to it. I could imagine it on bongos. So, I, I, I mean, I guess the music... John Williams played the Jaws score on a piano, like to Steven Spielberg. Yep. And Steven Spielberg thought he was joking. He thought <laughs> it, it can't be that. And then John Williams st- was like, no. In fact, he's still not sure. <laughs> uh, yes, the music then. Yes, uh, one of cinema's most iconic scores. So, absolutely. And finally, oh no, I've done. Yeah, what's one. yours? Uh, well, from the cast, fucking Donald Pleasance. Yeah, okay. he's just absolutely amazing. Right. But no, uh, oh. it's uh, it's John Carpenter. Okay, lovely. I mean, it's uh, to make a film on that budget that still looks as good as it does and has just lit the blue touch paper for so many movies afterwards. I just don't think you can deny how well made this is and some of the tropes that he came up with. And yeah, it's, you know, it's evolved and there was a period where people did not take the right messages from this movie and elaborate on those. But so much of this is just perfect. And so it's Carpenter for me. What would you change, Chris? Um, you touched on it, I think, on Monday, and we talked about it a little bit today, but um, I didn't really get going because I knew I was going to say it here. Um, Loomis and the sheriff have to have a better reason for not informing every cop in town and every news agency in town. So come up with something there. Come up if the if they're using a plan. If they come up with a plan to lure Michael somehow, if there's a reason to not do it, hmm. but. The, the, the reason is, oh, they'll be panic or they'll think every person on every corner is Michael Myers. Good. Yeah. That needs to happen right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, because Loomis knows what he's dealing with, or he thinks he does, and he's kind of right in terms of the killing. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a massive problem. It's just one of those moments that I, in the film where I'm like, oh, it takes me out of the movie. 
Yeah, I might uh, jump in here and borrow Chris's because I did say it. Uh, I've got one, but having talked about it and reread it. If my one's better than yours, do your one. No, yours is better than mine. I'm not Good. doing mine. So, so do I want... Why do you want me to do one worse than yours? Yes. Uh, I just don't like the fact that the actor who plays Michael, and I don't know, it might be Nick Castle. I couldn't find out who the actor who jumps on the car is at the start, but somehow... Oh, yeah, way, that's worse. That's worse. The, <laughs> the way the actor moves and the way he leaps on the car, it just doesn't feel like the same Michael Myers who's in the rest of this movie. Your buddy. <laughs> yeah. My, my, my buddy. I just... I, I, I just I couldn't marry up the two, but actually, seeing as I also came up with Chris's Ooh. and did it as a joke at the start, I'm having Chris's. So yeah, V, what's yours? It's just the same as it was for Black Christmas. More like, tits. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone talks about Laurie as you know the ultimate final girl, and I understand it's modernised and blah, blah blah blah. She has to come into her power, is the phrase. And she's left sitting on the stairs crying her eyes out. And we can go, well, that's quite realistic. But there's so much about this film that is fanciful. So mm. why can't she just... Why can't she just at least stand up? Like, she's not... She has no power in that moment. And after everything she's done and been through, and the way that the film is kind of going as well, like, she's a Girl Scout. That's a really brilliant way to describe it. She's useful, but she's virginal. She, But she isn't too clean, as like she's been smoking weed and whatever. And she's very self-aware of her Girl Scout-ness. Mm. So why can't, she, why can't she be like, okay, this is a thing I had to do to grow up? Why not? But what happens to Cap- Captain Ahab then? I don't know. He's got to catch his white whale. He does. It's not about him, though. It's about her. So, um, or it has become about her in the in the other years, hasn't it? Like it really, you know. There's so much said about this interplay between Michael Myers and Laurie, and it's this. It's a two header now. By this point, like it, you know, all two hander. But but it wasn't then. I just think it's interesting that I don't think people's heads weren't in that space. And I no, I, I feel like Carpenter and, and Deborah Hill have felt like we've set up. Loom, this is Loomis's. And to be honest, the fact that Deborah Hill is so much a part of this film, I understand. I understand completely. It must have been again, bad phrase, a different time because for our, our woman to leave another woman crying on the stairs after she's been the protagonist must just have been the way that you thought about things back then. Because mm. there's no way that you'd do that now. A man might do it, whatever, but another woman wouldn't. Just you just wouldn't leave your hero heroine on the stairs like that. Not in a million years. So anyway, that's the change. Okay. Mm. So, we're done. Should we do the verdict then? It's time for the verdict. Let's do the verdict. Wow, that was amazing. (laughs) No, V. (laughs) She always spoils it. She always spoils it. Why? It's not my week, is it? Why'd you do that? Why'd I do what? Mess up with the format. Because you've made me nervous. Look at moving, switching around. Stop it. (laughs) Let's do the verdict. Verdict. (laughs) It's time for the verdict. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! Okay, uh, Vicky, yes. let's have your vote first. All right, I'm not going to fuck around. Uh, it's Black Christmas. What? So when I first started writing, I was like, there's no way that Black Christmas can win. Halloween is the standard bearer. Um, but the whodunit aspect to Black Christmas, the fact that the final girl is not a boring virgin, even though she also gets robbed of her moment, there's another story layer as well as all your slasher standards that both these films set up. Now, with Halloween, there's no surprise at all, and that's fine, so it's just suspense, because we know who he is and we know what he wants. I think Black Christmas actually does both, because there is suspense about, you know, the kills, but also we don't know who's up there, like, who's doing it. Ambiguity. The, the frustration I have about the not looking in the attic thing is matched by your change, Chris, about why is there not a team of police officers outside this house? So then it comes down to the boob count and the stuff like that. And I'm so not into this sex and alcohol equals death. I'm just not. 
So Black Christmas for doing something much different with those tired old tropes, even though they weren't tired back then kind of thing. Mm. The conversation... As much as like Olivia Hussey's, I find Jess a little bit like a bit. She makes a bit my teeth set on edge a little bit. These are very progressive conversations to be having at the time, and the film doesn't judge her for that, and that's amazing. Given the thing that came next was super judgy. There you go. I'm going to go next. What? Because I want to go next. Okay. Uh, there isn't much in it this week for me. It's almost fifty-fifty. Uh, I think Halloween is the better movie where the filmmaking craft is on another level. But Black Christmas did it first, and it scares me a lot more. So I'm going for something specific here, which I can't believe I didn't mention on Monday. Um, I think Olivia Hussey is terrible in Black Christmas. <laughs> I think she makes it almost unwatchable at times. And Jamie Lee Curtis is fantastic. So for me, just tipping the balance, Halloween takes it. Okay, uh, I will say a great way to, uh, way to end Clash uh, I enjoy both these movies a lot. Black Christmas is very good. Those phone calls are terrifying, and it shouldn't be understated the influence it did have on Halloween. But it just can't stick the landing. The ending is piss poor. So for me, it is what I'm calling the original slasher movie, 1978's Halloween. <laughs> wow! Turning I, into Alex. No, I just, I'm, I just, just got really mad about it. I think he I can just, tell. Yeah, I just think he might but, be wildly overrated. But, I don't know. But also, don't you think like the the sex equals death thing is something interesting to be explored? Definitely by a filmmaker doing it for the first time. Yeah, it's just shit now. Yeah, you are right about Olivia Hussey as well. Like I'd forgotten. I thought it was just my Romeo and Juliet like yeah. PTSD, but no. it's bad. It really bad. <laughs> Honestly. It's like, yeah. yeah. I mean, Peter's a dick, but you're like, she is annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you want a baby? Yeah, my God. <laughs> anyway, that is it. Our final Clashoween of the year sees Halloween as the victor. But as always, remember, if you agreed with Vicky, you can get on our poll and get voting. We'll be putting the poll on uh, Twitter very soon so you can have your vote and tell us how right or wrong we got it. Halloween or Black Christmas, but Halloween is the winner on the pod. So next week, V gave us a clue on Monday. And uh, you may have guessed we're carrying on the horror in inverted commas. Yeah, clash of ween continues. <laughs> <laughs> Remind us of your clue. Next week's episodes are all relative. And the films we're doing are... Adam's Family and the Adam's Family Values. Yay! Which means Adam's Family drops on Halloween. Yay! They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. But after After four weeks and eight episodes of, like, quite grim horror, it's nice. We just thought something light on Halloween Day. Love it. It's the Adam's Family next week. Adam's Family versus Adam's Family Values. Get your homework done, people. And don't forget, you can subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Check them with us on Twitter for loads of extra bits and pieces at ClashPod. Also, Instagram and TikTok at ClashPod and don't forget our YouTube channel Clash of the Titles we'll be back on Monday with part one of Adam's Family versus Adam's Family Values have a lovely weekend and happy Halloween Clash of the Titles is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.